1: is Detroit, Michigan. Better known to baseball fans
2: as Tigertown, USA.
0: Welcome to Woodward Tigers with your hosts, Ruelio, Chris, John, and Uber. All right, welcome to another episode of Woodward Tigers here at WoodwardSports.com, where I really feel excited to be John and Youper, Chris Brown, should be with us on Pearleaf. find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, okay. and over, of course, on Speaker, where you can find all the great Woodward Sports podcasts, excuse me, as uh, the whole entire network is on there. So, what did I get to this evening? We're bringing back the good, the bad, the ugly, our inside numbers and more so we also have a phone number so i'm going to put on the screen and we're going to try it out Better we'll know take calls and accordingly in a certain time we're not going to take calls now because so i don't want to get derailed but there is going to be a phone number that i'll be listing here shortly the tigers are hitting home runs just pick long ball and so the tiger so we'll get to that and also some injury update of sorts too not much to report except for that steel walker who has one of the greatest baseball names of all time? Yes, is expected to miss four to six weeks. He suffered a fractured hand. He got hit by a pitch, and the poor dude got called from minor league camp. It's minding his own business. Right. He got hit in the hand, and he'll be out. And he, the Tigers acquired him from the Giants in November. Is so, the
1: joint Michigan, better known to baseball fans, yeah. There's, there's just kind of
0: really
2: strange Was he going to make the team? No, but, but gentlemen, how are you guys doing? You know what? It has been a long week, both professionally and personally, and watching baseball back and trying to fit that in. But it has been fun to watch the Tigers at a few home runs. We didn't get treated. We didn't get treated to that much during the regular season last year. That was a uh, you're right the, 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 the amount
0: of power. But we'll start. We'll start with Monday when the Tigers were in Tampa. That was the last game. When, first and foremost, George Steinbrenner Field is a beautiful place. That is a beautiful stadium. You don't think you're in a high A stadium because if you've been in minor league parks, believe me, that is a beautiful facility. And If you're a Yankees fan, you're covering Yankee glory because Yankees, there's, there's a little hall of fame thing. We walk up and you see the numbers, Jackson, Babe Ruth, Lou Garrett. And there's a lot of history. It feels like there's a lot of history there. And I got a chance to, we're, we're down in the field, watch the Tigers bp and kirk gibson was there with jim leland they drove together I had this funny story and i got a chance uh i've lunch with kirk gibson we had lunch in the cafeteria he sat next to me we talked about music and that was it was one of those things where in the back of my mind it was like a surreal moment because i was i'm having lunch with gibson we're talking about he's eating jerk chicken and i'm eating a chicken sandwich and but that was pretty cool but no and the tigers were able to bust out the the home runs then. Eric Haas had a home run. Carlos had a home run on the Monday game. I'm trying to drop a blank. blank. I know that, but we have stats for a reason. Carpenter. Carpenter. Thank thank, you. Yeah, Carpenter had the other home run. Thank you. So, yeah, Monday. And the thing is, is that, that was also a very sloppy game. There's a lot of little errors that resulted. The Tigers had three errors. The Yankees had a pair of errors, too. And thirteen home runs. Yes, we're going to hmm. definitely. As I said thirteen home runs. We're definitely going to talk about the home runs. That's going to be a big part of the conversation today. But I wanted to kick things off with another Tigers prospect list that came out. So I'll, unfortunately, Chris will be joining us more material. So I, won't, but I want Chris's input on this. So the Tigers' top three prospect list came out, and
2: this is Pipeline, right?
0: It's Pipeline. No, he did not. No, Todd, he did not stick me with the check. No, Kirk Gibson never stick me with the check. <laughs> it was just a cool thing where I, I recommended the band Death, the Detroit punk band from the mid seventies, because he wasn't familiar with them. We we're talking music a lot too, and what bands was into, and he doesn't really go to a lot of shows. But anyway, it was just cool. But top thirty wise, you get more input. Sam Dykstra, who works for MLB.com, had a lot of input, so I don't want people to yell at Jason Beck or anything like that. So it was like a consensus among. All the writers over MLB.com, the top 30. So, the top 10. Let's just start with the top 10. Number mm-hmm. 10 is Christian Santana. Number nine is Winslow Perez. Number eight is Julie Wentz. Number seven, Justin Henry Malloy. Number six, Peyton Graham. Number five, Ty Madden. Number four, Cole Keith. Number three, Wilmer Flores. Number two, Jace Young, and number one is Jackson Job. So, if you're wondering what was the biggest jump, Owen Flores jumped from 15 last year at 2022 to number three, and who fell the worst? Gage workman, number 11 last year to number third In terms of best tools, hit tool, Jace Young got the, got the hmm. call at 55, followed by Colt Keith, Justin Henry Malloy, Wenzel Perez, and Christian Sanguera. Power, Jace Young, Cole Keith, Isaac Pacheco, Roberto Campos. Run tool: Winsteel Perez at sixty with Peyton Graham and Parker Meadows. Yeah, there's. Oh, I'll get to the other numbers here in the thirties in a second. Fielding: Ryan Kreider, number 50, 55 Fielding, then Dingler right behind him. Best fastball: Elvis Alvarado at sixty five. Curveball: sixty. Wilmer Flores. Slider: Jackson Job at sixty five. Change up: Riesel's in sixty. Control: Wilmer Flores. And right behind him is Ty Madden and Mason Englert. So everybody, what's going on the YouTube channel? I want to say everybody, hello to everybody. Lorenzo Campos, by the way, is number 15 on the list. I just we check out number 14. Parker Meadows is number 12. Yeah, that I'm... righty. Dylan Smith comes in at number 17. Andre Lipsius comes in at number 22. Ingler comes in at 26. Red and White's number 29. I'm Matt.
2: Again, I'm not going to... I don't know. What are your thoughts about this? I'll start with you. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, I think that draft status held sway with several of these. I don't think too many people who pay daily attention to the Tiger farm system would probably put Jace Young up at number two. But based on draft status from last year and what he did early in college, some of that rep is lasting. So that's what I thought. A couple of other things, I didn't have a big problem. I thought maybe... Parker Meadows was a little low for me. I thought Kreidler was just about right, just outside the top ten. And Workman falling as far as he did, he's lucky he stayed on the list. Obviously, with that forty percent strikeout rate, even though we talked in the past, he still generated over fifty extra base hits, which is which is good. But if you can't put the bat on the ball very often, that's not good.
1: well. In terms of pipeline, I see the point you guys have made. With they like to stick to their their draft rankings. Obviously, Jackson Job and Jace Young. One and two, Colt Keith at number four as well. Payne Graham at number six. I thought that was a little high putting him over guys like a Parker Meadows and a Winsell Perez. And yeah, obviously seeing Brendan White as low as he was. And Isaac Pacheco at number 14 was a bit low for me as well. Yeah, and Parker Meadows has high draft status too. This is a guy who was drafted in the second round,
0: but it doesn't, I can understand why people might have forgotten that because it seems like it has been a little while. So we're going to try this out. We're going to try one call you want to call and let us know what you think about the MLB pipeline ranking for the Tigers, there's a number on the screen, 313-744-6036. Obviously, if you're listening to us on on podcasts, you can actually leave a voicemail on that too. That's a good voicemail line too, and we will play your voicemail. So if you don't want to call today, that's fine. If you want to just leave the voicemail, we'll play it for the show at another time. But yeah, I as far as this goes too, I mean – I feel like this is something like, we have to, I have to separate myself and I know Chris would probably say the same thing that I have to separate ourselves and go, okay, we're the ones that pay attention to this daily, and we shouldn't over critique this a little bit, but it is rewarding when you see guys like what happened today with Andre Lipsius hitting another home run, Parker Meadows went yard. He also hit a lefty pretty well that he was dropping and saying, he looks really good in camp so far. And people you observe and go, okay, this is a dude. And people may not think he's a dude somewhere else, but you know for a fact he's a dude, then you feel confident with it. And it was, admittedly, it was kind of one of those things where seeing somebody like Winsiel Perez come out of nowhere, like he did last year, not nowhere, but come back in the full perspective, but he still didn't get a lot of love. But Young, I feel the best power tool, that I a limited sample size. I don't know. I just,
2: that's a yeah. part I don't understand. The thing is when he was drafted though, before we got a look at him in the, in the tiger uniform, people did, but people talked about, oh, he's, he's a possible 25 home run kind of guy. That was, and we're not in, in, in small sample looks. Nobody saw that yet.
0: And like I said, the rest of the list, you, I'm going to put the, in our comment section. So if you want to peruse the rest of the list, but there's, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not really going to harp on it too much because, like I said, these guys, like, just knowing that it's a collective now, like, now that I know behind the scenes, like, it's the collective of all these writers getting together to create the top 30 yeah. and who they're going to the bat for. The only one I'm really shaking my head about loudly is Josh Croucher, number 25. Because even Jason, I know Jason Beck had a, I'm not going to say for sure. I'm pretty sure that Jason Beck and I, he, he's been on this couch. Wagon 2 for a while now and Crouch 25 was kind of like really it's just did anybody watch any of his stuff at all that's the one I'm just kind of it is what it is and move on
2: oh this is honey. Who? all right you hear me all
0: right this is all Brad and each technology still pair with us.
2: <laughs> That's hold on. Hold Howie's Pizza. Right. <laughs> there you Precept. go. Press one. Just send a voicemail. Press.
0: Oh, so <laughs> sorry about that. that it, was, it was. Still figuring this part out. So that was the first call. I didn't really experiment with that. But either way, it's injustice. on Some of these the 20 top, top, or top list. Let's move on. And the Tigers today. over Baltimore, and a game where they didn't have any offense. They didn't get a hit to almost the fourth inning. And then all of a sudden, the offense came alive and was able to do some damage. And again, there's a, I think one of the things about Baltimore, too, is just this is the second time we see them. They're they're loaded with prospects across the board. It was, especially seeing some of them in person, just like these, they, they are physically gifted guys out there playing for Baltimore. But the story of the day today really was, again, looking at guys, the home runs by Parker Meadows, I mentioned earlier, and the back-to-back. The uh, guy who's having a good camp, Tyler Nevin, who's making a case to start on opening day. Trent Turpleson, guys' first hit of the spring off a changeup. So, again, the, he's now, I think, we'll leave one for 11 so far this spring not trying to make a big deal out of it. But I put out an article today. I did not put him on my opening day roster. So what were your thoughts about today's game, Uper? And uh, yeah, we'll start with Uper.
2: Yeah, it's been interesting to see Tyler Nevin. If he keeps keep this going, he's off to a nice little start. Scott Harris went out and got him. I think with had some familiarity with him. Since he p- potentially could be Harris's guy, does that give him an inside track if he keeps hitting? At least start the season? Maybe. But definitely we knew that with all the names in the mix at third base, it was really a big chunk of it. it might come down to who got hot early and could ride it out through the spring. And Tyler Nevin is there right now. Torkelsen, I saw that he lined out in his first at-bat, but I didn't see the at-bat. Did he hit it hard to the opposite field? No, that was a, with that single early,
0: that was a hard hit ball. That was a hard hit ball.
2: Okay. So he's hitting the ball. He hit a couple of balls to the track this year. Hit that hard. Then he got his first hit. It's 11 at-bats. Let's so see. You know, it's going to be okay. I know I, I'm probably the an excuse maker. I get it. But let's see 15, 20 more at-bats and see where we are. Okay. I, I know that one of one our of people out there suggested
0: 20 at-bats or 30 at-bats. And that's fair.
1: John, what about you? Yeah. So I'm looking at the box score that Kio Badu, he did go over four with four strikeouts. Obviously, he had a... Good start to his spring, so I, we hope today was just an anomaly at that. Like you touched on Tyler Nev. two home runs are ready this spring. A big spring for him. Couldn't see a push, obviously, but there's opportunity at third base and you can't take too much into what Torkelson is doing. I saw the comment from Jed, scenario where Torkelson starts in Toledo. I just don't really see that happening unless he just really continues to struggle. Like you said, one for 11, he did have that 450. 415 foot out to center field A couple of days ago and then to me The this, this story of spring training has been Parker Meadows hit another home run Today he's looking really really promising I don't know if he makes the opening Day roster per se but he's been Really really fun to watch and Then Garrett Hill was another guy Who I think Has been pretty had another good outing today And I believe got the, got the Win today as well so he's another guy I'm looking at that i am been impressed With
0: as far as for yesterday goes, by the way, they played the Pirates and Mayton. Mayton had a walk off and walked off the for the Tigers in an eight to seven win. And that game also too featured another appearance from Mason Inglert and Will Vessel, pretty good too. He looks already mid season form. And this is last year he comes in the camp after Seattle dropped him. We weren't sure what to expect from Will Vessel, but he's. He's a veteran that I think is going to be just fine out of the bullpen, and, and a guy who I like early on in camp is Kevin Castro, who, who the Tigers got from the Giants, and slider fastball primarily, but his fastball has been pumping around ninety-seven, maxing out between ninety-six and ninety-seven or ninety-five and ninety-seven, and I'll take that all day of the week. However, it's early on; he could things could change. And I'm not really worried about Matt Manning's velocity. He even said yesterday they're slowly wrapping it up. I think it's people are really spamming the chat. That's okay, Jed. It's I really don't think it's anything to worry about because I'd rather it Manning be a, a healthy and and versus coming to something where he's throwing 96, 97, and then the next day you hear about forearm soreness. He's working on his curveball. And I don't know if you guys saw some of the interesting things today after the game. And, and Evan Pistol from the free press captured it beautifully. And I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but I'm going to read some of the quotes. Yes, I saw it. some of the indication of chance for what really about the Alavio administration is. And this is something that Chris and I have talked about too, where they were always in his case about this, or they would go on and say, Oh, oh throw throw your, throw your fastball by the way, I'm imitating. Yes. I'm not imitating fans. I have to make a disclaimer. That now. Time That's I'm your
2: imitate a dumb front office person voice.
0: Uh, uh, I'm the dumb... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So one of the things that we, every time that Chris and I saw there was t- two times, we went to go see Matt Manning in Toledo and they were going on and on throughout. He was go- like, he's not throwing a slider. He's not throwing this. Throwing that. This is what Matt Manning said who believes he fix this curveball, said today, quote, I wish in the minor leagues they would have told me more. Just go out and throw 50% curveballs. We don't care what happens, you got to go work on your curveball. Instead, I knew I can go beat the minor, league, minor leaguers with my fastball, so that's all I did. Once I got to AAA in the big leagues, I couldn't just throw the fastball. I had to work on things. I felt behind in that sense. But I'm learning and getting better. The communication... Then it was like, if you want to go get to the next level, pitch. pitching is having a low ERA. So I was like, why would I throw anything else until I can beat my fastball? I would throw that 70 times in a game. Hmm. He's right, though. It, 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 it's, it's really weird thing, but like we've, we've, been t- we've talked about this before. When well, we ask him, Chris would go and Chris, Chris and I would ask, what are they telling you to do? And before they're like, well, oh, just go out there and throw my game. Now he it's just- specific. And now it's specific to each pitcher that you're going to throw like Matt Manning, or excuse me, Ty Madden last year, for example, he's got to throw of the off speeds pitches in this outing. That's kind of, when you hear that, it's really depressing if you think about
2: it. It's, it's so disheartening to know that he was really encouraged that the results of a game, like they won a game four to two in double a, who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, was, that, that made a difference in his development versus working on individual skills that was going to make him a better pitcher in the long run. That no one had the foresight that that's the better way to go. So it's really interesting. I, I, the comments he made today really struck me as a very mature comment if He really analyzed what's happened to him. What he's seeing from the current group that's in charge versus the people he came in as a draftee and what he was told early on. He did a great job, Matt, out there, the difference. He put it all out there for people to see. And that's a firsthand point of view. That's not somebody with a block making observation. That is straight from the horse's mouth of a number one draft pick and how he was developed toward the major leagues, giving a pretty honest assessment and, frankly, a damning assessment of, of what was in the, the system that was in place. So just in time, Chris,
0: Chris Brown joining us. So we were talking about what Matt Manning's comments today. I don't know if you saw them or not. I did, yeah. So this attests to what we were witness to in Toledo, and I think it was Jim Leland that was complaining about him throwing the slider. I forgot who exactly what it was. But what was the, there was a, a few times that – I'm trying to remember, Chris, exactly. The first time you asked that question about, so what do the Tigers have you do? And they go, like, huh? well, just do my game.
3: Yeah, we, I would always ask minor leaguers. Specifically, pitchers to find out what the organization had them working on. I, I wanted to find out, like, hey, what what are they, what do they think is the weakness, and what what do they need to get better? And to a man, they always said they just want me to go out there and, and pitch my game and try to get outs. And and so it was always like, okay, so they're they're just taking performance. They don't care about actually developing these guys. They didn't have plans for any of them. I think they basically viewed the minor leagues as like a squid game. <laughs> Throw 100 guys in there and the one who survives is going to be good enough to compete in the big leagues. And yeah, that's why the the amount of improvement we saw from players last year was so stark because that wasn't happening before because guys were not getting specific instructions on what to work on. They, they had managers and coaches at every level who would help them with things and work on them with stuff, but there was not a specific plan tailored to the players so yeah it's really frustrating to hear stuff like that just uh, yeah why why is your curveball no good in the majors i don't know they...
2: it's crazy it's always...
0: yeah it's, it's like running it's you know what it is it's running man it's <laughs> Al, Al, Al Avila was yeah. the the, who's the guy with the family feud character or the richard dawson dawson he was richard dawson mm, yeah and he was telling him and then he, the various obstacles were various coaches he had to deal with. And no, again, you could see it last year when there's certain outings where you can see nothing but one certain pitch. Or, for example... Excuse me. Last year. Come on. Ah. Ah, so I had to meet myself there. But you could see it certain outings last year, which is why... there's Last year, Wilmer Flores pitched that one inning. He had a bad inning. It was like 31 pitches. And they're like, nope, we're done. And I think before... We probably would have kept on going. Am I am I assuming that correctly, Chris? No, that is one thing I think that carried over
3: from the previous org was was or developed dev staff was they didn't let guys throw more than thirty pitches an inning, basically ever. So I, I don't know if that was part of the new regime there or if it was just a, a holdover. But yeah, there just a, a lot of stuff we've seen and heard that just goes to show like they 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 really did a disservice to all these guys as they were coming up mm-hmm. and. As I guess it it is one way to go about it. If guys are going to get Tarek Skubel, right? They didn't really have to help him much and he powered his way through the minors on his own. But then when he got to the big leagues, pretty rude awakening. And and he was upset about that and went and worked on stuff on his own and figured it out in the big leagues. Yeah. So if you, if you, there's a certain base level of talent you need to get drafted anyway, right? So there are certain players who have that talent and have that drive to succeed on their own and they're going to make it. But all these other guys who, And I I don't mean to say bad things about any of the other guys, right? They all have talent. They all have the drive. But sometimes they they were basically flying blind, not knowing that there may have been something very specific and easy for them to work on, but the team didn't offer that to them. And so they had no idea. And yeah, I don't know. This is just going to happen. I I don't know how much longer we're going to hear about how everything sucked under Alavila, but we're probably going to hear it for a couple of years. And then before we finally move on from that.
0: I think what I'm going to do is, by the way, I'm going to have a a, a button on my board that's going to, every time somebody blames aloe for something in the past, it's going to, it's going to be some sort of alarm that will just go, yeah. it'll just be something like, I don't I'll work on it. I'll
2: work on an Al alarm and just. Every yeah, on that, that one though, to me was very substantive because that's a guy who went through it himself. It's not, again, as I said earlier, it's not some outside opinion that they think happened. But that's right from the horse's mouth That this happened to me It just, oh, it really makes you shake your head And Mike, Michael Mayer has a good point And this is under Dave Zabrowski too
0: It's not just under a yeah. feel like, It goes back because David Chad David Littlefield were all part of the regime and By the way, nothing pisses off people When you show a picture of David Littlefield To people mm-hmm. And I did that on Discord And I think on our DM that we have With some folks And he's, he's still around Ooh, huh? And yeah, he was, he was there, but the, no, it's been going around it, 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 to be honest with you, it's been going, it's going back even longer than that. In terms of actual development by the Tigers, you're going to have to go back 30 plus years because if it wasn't a first round pick or somebody that was close to, it was a major leaguer, they weren't going to make it. Is that, I'm, it's that simple. I, it's simply, yeah. and, no. but, and, but you know what though? Here's and Sergio makes a good point and he's right. The farm system hasn't been deceived since the 1970s. He does get credit for that. He does get a little credit for that. But yeah. guys like Andrew Navagato, who somebody, about, somebody was asking about, uh, whatchamacallit, Alex was asking about other guys gonna take a jump. Guys like fringe or guys like Alex Navagato or Alex. Andrew Navagato, thick of even somebody like a, like a Josh Crouch, for example, that was found in like a hidden gem kind of thing. That was good, good, good eye, good development there as well. And working on a swing. Same thing with Campos. That is, ex- Campos came with a lot of hype, but he was very, very raw, and he's getting better. What are you gonna say, Chris? I'm sorry.
3: Oh no, just yeah. It absolutely goes back through through Dave Dabrowski. The Tigers never really had a good farm system under Dabrowski either. He was very much into trading prospects away for big leaguers. He he did that uh, at Boston and theoretically here with Philly as well. But but we gotta remember that. Player development as we know it today basically didn't exist a decade ago. Like there were certain advances throughout history, and some teams were trying things. Like the the Royals famously had a thing in the 70s where they just brought in tons and tons of athletes and were like, hey, maybe this'll work.
2: The, the Royals reality. Academy.
3: Yeah. yeah. And so part of that, and and we're just dealing with a lot of uh, you know, Vila, there's a scout. He comes up through scouting, and and I think a lot of times scouts felt like you could just see a baseball player. You can't make a baseball player. The baseball player is either there or he either has it or he doesn't. And we, we, I remember having an argument with Lynn Henning like four or five years ago about that. And Lynn was tied in pretty closely to Al Avila, and I think it was basically coming from Al Avila. He didn't think that you could improve players in a meaningful way. You could sharpen skills, but you can't introduce new skills. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been proven to not be entirely true. I think that, that we've seen a lot of players throughout baseball and every organization get a lot better with modern technology and modern coaching. All the slow motion track man, edutronic stuff has been a a lifesaver for dozens, if not hundreds of pitchers. And so to that end, it wasn't, you know, you can't really blame Dabrowski too much because that just really didn't exist like 10 years ago. But we also know that one of the things, first things Avila did right when he came in, he was going to ramp up the analytics department Hmm. and they did but that didn't do any good because they still had old school player development yeah. and scouting. Yeah. And, th- and not to mention. trust about look, it.
0: Like Avila did a good thing, but it was four years too late. But didn't we mention too, Chris, but those people had a fight to be heard all the time too. Yeah, what ab- absolutely. Yeah.
3: yeah. What, you, you could bring people in and and, but if you're not listening to them or you don't believe them, then what's the point?
0: Yeah. And another guy that comes to mind is, Somebody who pitched today for Baltimore, Spencer Watkins. It's a round. This guy was drafted in the 30th round, and he, like I said, I think I mentioned this last week. Dave Loria, he was he did an article, with Dave Loria, and he was talking about how Baltimore was able to fix him, and this was before the Tigers were able to start identifying that. So I, I I'm always curious. I'm always curious. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm well, always curious. I'm always curious to see what would what have happened. You know what I mean? Like. That, that's another thing. I don't want to dwell on this anymore because I think Stan is correct in our chat. Negativity wise, there's a heatish, heatish, shoulda, coulda, woulda, buta, no, no, shoulda. Nope. No, 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 no. I, well, I do think it's interesting. They played
3: Baltimore, and Baltimore is a pretty good comparison for the Tigers. They're basically the Tigers and the Orioles have been the two worst teams in baseball since Avila took over. And you look at what Baltimore has and what they've done with their player development, they, they started that early on. They brought in Michael Elias from from Houston, who I knows a thing or two about player development, and you see the fruits of that now, where the, the Orioles look like a, a legitimate, I don't know, interesting team, if not a contender this year. They didn't spend any. That's on, that's on everything else. But they were just rated the number one farm system by Baseball America. They've got, they had the number one overall pick and got Edley Rutchman. So yeah, that's just, a, I think, a good comparison for people who, who want to look at what could have been versus
1: what is yeah and if you want to look at the positive aspect of things now that we do have new player development i think isn't there a little bit more hope for these guys that they're going to be able to develop and become the players that we thought they would be so if you look from it from that point of view maybe there's a little bit of optimism to be had there
3: yeah it it depends like i think the the most important players and i assume you guys have already talked about spitzer Sorkelson today yeah Mm -hmm. we did (laughs) the Torquios watch. That's the most important player, probably, to get the development right on, and it doesn't. Who knows if it's working? But yeah, I I feel better now about players that they've drafted in the last few years and them getting the most out of them. Like I I I think there's a chance that they can turn Peyton Graham into a really interesting minor leaguer, if not an interesting big leaguer. Four or five years ago, when if they had drafted Isaac Pacheco, I would have been like, "Let's he's toast. That's a high school shortstop with strikeout (laughs) issues. They're never ever going to find anything for him." And I didn't, honestly, heading <laughs> into last year, I didn't believe it. But just the proof was in the pudding over the last season where all these guys got better and improved in areas that were weaknesses before. So I do feel a lot better about them churning out talented players in the future.
1: Yeah, and I, I did see Jed's comment. And if we are on the topic of Baltimore and the Tigers, how far along do you think Baltimore is further than the Tigers? Because me personally... I don't think the Tigers are that far behind Baltimore. I know Baltimore had kind of a, a breakout season last year, but it reminds me of the Tigers in 2021 where they exceeded expectations. How far along do you think the Orioles are for the Tigers, and do you think the Tigers can catch up with them in, say, a year or two?
0: If Baltimore had another pitcher like Grayson Rodriguez, they would be far along. That guy's that guy sick. It's filthy. I still think they still need to develop some pitching yeah. before they can end everything. And Baltimore did not really spend all and and whether the team's for sale or not who knows but if baltimore spends a little bit then yeah they'll make some a little more dangerous but they're gonna try the hardest not to and so until they do a little bit i think they're it's gonna take the tigers are tigers still need some surefire athletes like her and somebody like that if the tigers had another one like that i would be pretty apt like just They're a little, they're, they're a little bit ahead and rightful. They drafted well and they're able to, but they haven't developed pitching as of yet. Some
2: of it was, some of it was just bad luck. The Orioles got the number one pick when they had the choice between Rushman and Bobby Witt Jr. And the Tigers got the number one pick when it was Spencer Torkelson and some other guys who haven't been all that great. That's just just how the the chips fell in those draft years. I I would say the Baltimore's a little bit ahead and they're in tougher division though. So that gives Detroit a better, some more opportunity as we go forward to perhaps be more successful than them in the short term. But I would say, given the the bats that they have in their system, they are just short of significantly ahead of the Tigers. I think they're a better team. Yeah, yeah, I have no problem saying they're
3: a season or two ahead of the Tigers if you want to define it that way. I do think the Tigers have better pitching depth. And, and more yep, pitching sure. right now, but the Orioles. We we talked about the other day that the uh, they had a dozen interesting position prospects in one game. Yep. And <laughs> it was like man, like this is. And the Tigers have some interesting prospects too. I think more interesting than, than the industry at large realizes. We've been. I see a lot of chat about Parker Meadows. I don't know if you guys have touched on him already or Andre Lipsius. There's some. There's some quality. Future big leaguers in the Tiger system right now, but they they're not on the level of the Orioles with uh, Rutschman. You got Gunnar Henderson, yep. Gunnar Norby, yep. uh, Colton Cowser, Kobe Mayo. Yep. Just just a
0: lot of talent there. There is a lot of talent there, and it's one of those things. Let's move on from Baltimore and talk about the fact that here we are talking about positional players, and we'll get to that too because there's that's that's something that I definitely want to get into with Parker Meadows and everything but first things first we're bringing back a segment that I love this segment and I miss this segment a lot yeah. <laughs> alright it's time for inside numbers and I'm going to kick things off usually I let everybody else go first this one I wanted to get out of the way because it is in chomping at for top discussion and my inside of number is, is the number. Sure, i sure I can count correctly. Number 11. That is how many home runs Tigers have hit at Joker Market? 11. Look, center, the, the dimensions at center field now in Lincoln are actually bigger than park. And there's been some calls of a hit deep center. And I wish there was a way to compare it from what we're talking about in terms of training numbers last year. You're looking at, you looking at some positives to look at for spring. There's cost did eight home runs last year, okay? Cool. Everybody's at seven. Willie Castro at five. No, but this is a team that lacked total power. Again, spring trainers, training numbers don't matter, but 15 home runs in a relatively short, in what? This is
1: six games. Eight.
0: That's that's a good sign, especially when you're getting home runs from the likes of Ozzy Lipskinus, Baton, Parker Meadows, Tyler and Evan. No, Tyler and Evan might be a, like a month from now, I'm not even going to be in, on this major league roster. <laughs> There is I was talking fan, I meant eleven home runs at home. Thirteen total on the road. Two two men on the road. Eleven have been at home so far this in the in the sixth. So that is my inside of the number. How many homers have they allowed? How many homers have they allowed? Yeah, that's a good She's question. Let's, three, uh, I think. There is they have given up five. Oh. Five home Boyd, runs. Boyd gave one it went up to Richmond today.
2: Yep, Cisnero, no.
0: Jesus who gave.
2: I think he gave up one the other night. ninth. So i was just wondering oh. if they're are they hitting them on days where there's a jet stream out. But if it's if they're up to five, is a pretty significant difference? So that's cool.
0: So yeah, and, and Cameron with a really good stat: ten of the 13 home runs were who were on the roster last year. So that's a good point to bring up. But yes, that is my
2: inside the number. Uber or what was it? Oh yeah. Uber. What's your inside number? My inside, the number is eight. Okay. That's been a number to me. That's been getting a lot of controversy this week. And that of course is the number of seconds left on the pitch clock where a batter must be prepared to take a pitch. Okay. And I have some thoughts on that. It does seem pretty quick when there's nobody on base and it goes, there's a 15 second pitch clock. And they have to be ready at eight. Because let's say on the previous pitch, you swung and you missed, okay? Ball's going back out to the pitcher. You're gathering yourself after swinging and missing. You might go through a little routine where you step back, you adjust something. Maybe you look down to third. Now you got to get in. Usually most people take a practice swing of some kind. That seven seconds goes fast, okay? I, I think they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of adjustments to getting ready at that pace. I think when there's a 20 second, I keep saying shot clock, pitch clock, when there's a 20 second pitch clock, I don't think you have as much of an, obviously an excuse. You got plenty of time, I think in that case to get ready. But I've seen a lot of people say they have to reduce that time from eight to perhaps six for people to get ready when there's 15 seconds. I don't know about that either. Uh, My my thinking there is if you're the type of batter who's barely getting ready at eight, I think you'll also be able to find something to wiggle and, and adjust and barely be ready at 6. I think people will use whatever time's allotted to them and slide in there at the last second. So I think it's really as much as I'm willing to admit that from 15 to 8 seconds is fast and you got to be on your toes. I don't know if switching it to 6 seconds will be that helpful because I think they'll just stretch their pre pre-bat or their pre-pitch routine to accommodate that too.
0: Yeah, Miguel Cabrera got the first violation of the spring for the Tigers too. So uh, chatting, he's he was yeah. talking too much. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, although I, I can't even imagine how Angel Hernandez is somehow going to change the clock. Angel Hernandez is going to go, oh no no no, it's time. No, I still have like two seconds. Nope, nope. I see differently.
3: <laughs> All right, he- no one, one. Just one of the things that that Dan Dickerson was talking about is that they, they haven't seemed to agree on any particular sign like one consistent sign to indicate what has happened so everybody's like, what what's going on some people are like pointing to their watch other people are doing like i don't know semaphore but so we'll have to figure that out
0: you know what funny i want the shoes to wrap it up Yo, B, be better wrap this up like just do the two fingers in
2: the air kind of like wrap it up. i do well, like you the know, watch
0: though too though like the
2: but some of that confusion too is they also have a concurrently happening they're supposed to be, uh, enforcing the block rules tighter. Yeah. So now you got another umpire raising his hand and stopping the game. Are you, are you adjusting the count? Are you moving runners along on a block? They probably should come up with some kind of set system of signals for people.
3: And, and I like your idea of, of basically giving the responsibility to the third base umpire because they're not doing anything else.
2: Yeah, they got, if, if, I'm not saying they don't do any work, but that's, that's the light duty. That's the rest day. <laughs>
3: All right, Chris, what's your inside of number? So, mine, mine involves home runs, too. It is 2,108 and also 2.06. So, that first number is, according to Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball, the total number of home runs hit across college baseball through 12 games. And the second number is the number of home runs per game, 2.06. Holy fuck. How that compares to, to recent history? Last year, it was 1.55 per game. And in 2019, it was 1.37 per game. what wow. So, what we, what we have is a juiced college baseball, which should be fun to to watch throughout the season. Right now, Florida already has twenty five home runs as a team. Wake Forest has twenty six. South Carolina has twenty seven. Florida first baseman Jack Caglionone, who I think is a, a sophomore, sophomore. He's got eight, he's got eight home of- runs in nine games. And nice. Brock Wilkinson has seven in ten games. One thing the name for the real- McLaughlin report <laughs> no, but-, but Jack Jackie Caglianone, he's he's gonna be a top draft pick in twenty twenty four, so remember the name. He's first baseman though. But but college baseball switched to the, the BB Core bat in 2011. And since then, there have only been three 30 home run seasons. Back in 2011, Victor Roche, who's from Ypsilanti, actually hit 30 for Georgia Southern. Chris Bryant hit 31 in 2013. And last year, Ivan Melendez hit 32 for Texas. It's pretty rare to see 30 home runs, even when, when the bats were not BB Core. But uh, we might see some big time, record breaking home run numbers this year. Not to be one, Chris. John. John, what about you? What's your inside
1: number? So, yeah, mine goes along with the Tigers' offense over the first six games, and that is my number is seven, and that is the number of runs the Tigers are averaging per game. They had 10 today, 8 against Pittsburgh, 4 against the Blue Jays, 5 against the Yankees, 6 against the, the Orioles, and then 4 against the the Phillies in the opener. And what the Cameron's point in the comments, I feel like it's been a lot of new guys, like 10 out of 13 home runs have been by players who weren't on the team last year. And I think when we get into the season predictions, that's one thing I want to bring up is the depth of this team. I look across the league and sure, this team doesn't have the star power that you may want in a contender, but I think they have the depth at so many different positions and have so many different, Versatile players that I think it's really going To help them when you get into that long Six month season and you have guys That are going to be able to step up not even at the major league Level you also have depth at the minor League level with guys like Colt Keith and Winsell Perez knocking on the door as well so For me the offense has been a lot Better than we've expected but like I said It's only six games in the spring training so I don't Know how much you can really take from that Yeah no you're right I can't There's
0: so much you can take with it And there was a question about whether or not and the question comes from Allen in there and talk about should the will Sky Harris do some big as a trader free agent splash? I still think they're going to evaluate. I think there's going to be some other small move two two moves to come because I don't think they're going to be content. They could look at something else as potential upgrade out there and they whether it's in the outfield or whether it's in the infield at third base scope swing in time at third base. But I think Nick M- Mate mayton might be the starting third baseman right now. He has the inside track again. Six games, and we haven't gotten the first round of cuts. We'll we'll see what happens, but it is it is optimistic for one. It is optimistic, but again, I always caution people with spring training. Just remember, it's not going to matter until March 30th. It's not going to matter. You're
2: saying Chris Patero, Chris Patero, Chris Patero, Chris
0: Patero, or Mike <laughs> riviera Do you remember Mike <laughs> Rivera? Remember the whole when he. Got the job out of spring training. Yeah. Tigers had nobody else remember gene Clean, remember gene Kingsdale, Kingsdale one, yeah yeah gene Kingsdale if anybody okay anybody in the chat or who's listening to the podcast right now who is gene Kingsdale i'll 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 let I'll, I'll let that simmer while everybody does the research and kick off the segment that we have we actually had a request about the segment when which was coming back. Yeah. All right, it's time for the good, the bad, the ugly, the, by the way, I'm gonna redo that to make it longer. The original version, the OG version that I used to use, I have to bring that back. Not the seven second version one. So I was rushed. No one got it yet. Former Orioles prospect who's been knighted now. No, he is right. No, Jim Kingsdale was a former Orioles prospect, but Tiger-wise, who's Kingsdale? whoever answers that question. All right, if anybody answers who Jim Kingsdale is, I'll buy you, a, I'll get you a Wolverine Tiger shirt. Okay? just keep it. You got to tell me who he is. First person answers in the chat. Get with me. Okay, so... John, I'll start with you. What is your good and the bad youngest?
1: Okay, so my good, I think, would have to be the Tigers' young starting pitching. I've obviously alluded to the, the depth that they have not only offensively but also pitching-wise. Mason Engler, I think, has been a really, really bright spot so far in spring training. He's looked a lot better than I thought, and I would really like to see him get an opportunity to make the opening day roster. Garrett Hill is another guy. His, his velocities look really good in, in the couple of games he's pitched. Obviously, Matt Manning. There was some questions about his velocity, but I think he's going to be okay. And he's a guy I'm expecting a big season from. And then Joey Wince was okay in his start. Did struggle with his command a little bit, but I think the Tigers are showing they have a really, really good young pitching depth. So that would be my good. My bad would just be that I haven't been able to watch any of the games yet. And I think a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but some people can sympathize with me. I I don't have LB Network anymore, so I wasn't able to watch the the Yankees game. And I'm just itching to finally be able to watch some baseball, but seen a little bit of highlights. But I really wish Valley Sports Detroit would, would broadcast more of these games. And then for my ugly, I, I want to go to Los Angeles with the Dodgers. Gavin Lux is going to miss the entire season. I believe, was it a, ACL. an ACL? Yes, it was an ACL. Yeah, and that that's really unfortunate for him because obviously you lose a guy like Justin Turner, you lose a guy like Trey Turner. He was a guy I think they were looking to, to step up and, and take on a bigger role. He was obviously a top prospect and did have a pretty decent season for them last year. So that's unfortunate. I've seen people going on in the chat about well, the Dodgers need to trade for for an infielder. And there's the Hobby Bias rumors. I don't think we need to go that far, but I definitely think they're going to need some prospects to step up. I look at Michael Bush is a 25-year-old left-handed infield prospect who could maybe fill that void, but that's unfortunate to see Gavin Lux go down because I thought he was a guy that could potentially take the next step for the Dodgers in a lineup that needed someone to step up for them. All right. Huber, what is your
0: insight? In, or The good, the bad, the ugly? Do you get John's
2: ugly? I thought you said the ugly already, didn't you? Yeah, the ugly was Gavin, Luck. Yeah, Gavin Lux. Yeah, Luck. Oh, sorry. My fault. My fault. My fault. The only reason I got confused, Gavin Lux is on my list too, so I'm going to make an alteration here. My good. Arizona Diamondbacks. People don't talk about it that much. They are lost. Obviously, they're in a division with the superpowers, the Dodgers, and, and the, the Padres who will sign anybody who's ever done anything good. They end up in San Diego. But I really like what they're doing in Arizona. I think they have close to what the, or the Baltimore Orioles are building, really. They have a lot of bats. Corbin Carroll, that's somebody I think all baseball fans need to try to pay some attention to because he's going to be on the West Coast. and gets lost sometimes. That guy has some power, but I saw some video of him today running. Unbelievable speed. It's like he's being chased by the cocaine bear. Unbelievable. He <laughs> Move it. That guy can run. So I I like to stay up for some late-night baseball. I can see myself watching some West Coast Diamondbacks games, especially when they're playing like the Padres and the Dodgers, teams I also like to watch. I think that's good. I think with Gabriel Moreno and Alec Thomas and the Lawler kid and a couple others, they have a long way to go to be competitive in that division, but I think they're on the right path. Um, my bad was I was going to talk about the injuries in baseball. Gavin Lux, I had a big thing prepared, and... JFK just stole that from me. Nice job. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Tyler Glasnow was on my list as well. He's just become, the guy is brittle. Now he's out 68 weeks with a some kind of back problem, right? And uh, it's escaping me. But that's always the big story of spring training, these early injuries and how it's going to go. So what I was going to move to was instead, it's really getting interesting what MLB is going to do with the television situation. They hired three people in the last 24 hours. Two of them were from Bali. Um, and they're going to try to put together some kind of local network if all these other things fall apart. They're really going to be winging it this year. It's going to be very interesting to see how this all comes together. I don't know if you guys have heard much about it and we can add to this.
0: Yes, yes. I, I was going to talk about that shortly on mine too. Okay,
2: I'll let you do that. My ugly is a little bit personal but it is about baseball they have a baseball team there's a small school in the upper peninsula of michigan called finlandia university used to be called sumi college that's just to be upfront my first job out of college working in the admissions office at sumi college finlandia university when i was there they didn't have any sports we were always on the verge of closing there were no students i had to do i had to beg borrow and steal to get somebody to come to college there it was unbelievable it was the best job I ever had, though. I loved it. People were great. I got to travel. I got to see the Packers a lot because I was traveling on there, Diamond the Fall in Wisconsin. I had a huge office. He be- the best office I ever had was my first job. They started a baseball team, and they've been bad. But again, up there, there's no chance to play baseball, really. Okay, So there was, they were really taking a chance. They play no home games because the year... There's snow up there until May 1st, so they travel and they play a lot of baseball and they get their butts kicked in Florida, but still it's quite an experience for a bunch of local kids to play baseball. What's happened today, unfortunately, is what nearly happened when I was there 25 years ago. Finlandia has announced the school's closing, which is what's happening to a lot of small, private, Lutheran college or religious-based colleges. The enrollment is just not there in a rural area. I think they're down to about 400 students. And they're going to call her quits at the end of this year. So I feel bad just from, oh, also, oh my gosh, I buried bleed. I met my wife there. She got a job and she spent one full winter in upper Michigan. We had record-breaking snow of 320 inches and lo and behold, she wanted to move. Amazing how that works. But hey, that's how we ended up in Minnesota. But I met her there. It was a great job. My sister was the director of nursing for several years at the college. I'm sad to see it go. I'm sad to see another baseball program die. But rest in peace to Finland and the universe.
0: They have a really good hockey ring, too. I Yes. I traveled. I got the chance to see it last year. And oh yeah, that was pretty cool. But all right, Chris, what about you? What is your good the bad juggling? Yeah. ugly?
3: Let me unmute myself. All right. So my good was as Jared Kalanick, because it's just spring training. No big deal. But he's got three home runs already. And it's just good to see, because, you know, this was a a super highly touted top five prospect, right, who just fell on his face both times he got to the big leagues, two years ago and and last year. His numbers are are really bad. And that just, again, spring training doesn't really matter, but it's nice to see some good things happen to him and, and maybe apply that to Spencer Torkelson like hope that we just don't give up on these these talented young guys just yet because hopefully they can figure some things out so it's it's I'm happy for Jared Kelenic, even if it doesn't mean anything my bad was along with everybody else was was the injuries Gavin Lux Tyler Glasnow Brendan short separated his shoulder even poor Steel Walker the Tigers <laughs> I think I think his first plate appearance got hit on the hand and broke his hand I don't I think that was his first plate appearance wasn't it
0: Joe, yeah and Joe Musgrave I mean, by the way Oh, just, so? Yeah, bro, I dropped the weight on it.
3: Yeah. Ooh. And and like you said, yeah, this is this is always the story early on in spring training, but it just sucks so much, especially for the guys who who are out for the year. It's like the first week of games and just oh god, I see you next year. So that's always bad. My ugly is Major League Baseball trying to screw the minor leaguers again. This story was going around a couple days ago. Yeah, uh, I want to say his name, Jason Garcia on Substack wrote a wrote a story about it. It's great story. So basically Major League Baseball is, is lobbying or was lobbying Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, and other Florida elected officials to cut baseball players out of the state's new minimum wage laws because they the arguing that baseball players because, – because minor leaguers don't get paid. I don't think any baseball players get paid for spring training or instructs. That's correct. Yeah. So minor leaguers are basically – they would have to get $11 an hour or whatever if they went – if, if they, they were applied for the law. So my, Major League Baseball was really lobbying Florida – Officials. They hired DeSantis's old chief of staff, and uh, like the day after the bill went through, Joe Ricketts from the Cubs family, they uh, gave DeSantis a one million dollar donation. Okay. And they're not they're not doing just it just in Florida. They've they've tried to do it in Arizona as well. In Texas, the attorney general ruled that minor leaguers are don't qualify for the the minimum wage. and It is just so infuriating because you'll see these teams will hand out ten million dollars to a fifth starter or like a, a, an aging veteran reliever. But they won't pay eleven dollars an hour to a group of minor leaguers in spring training, and it it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And but they'll spend a million dollars on the politician to keep from doing it. I I don't get it. I, it's just it's cost them the less than a
0: million dollars. Wouldn't it cost them a lot? You would think so,
3: but I I mean I, there's probably far more to it than that. I, Ricketts is is <laughs> yeah. So it just it's it's ugly, and it always makes me upset when the minor leaguers are get screwed like that.
2: I wonder if they have to give them insurance too, that kind of thing. I thought that that's an excuse, but. Yeah, no,
3: I, I don't know how it works. The, the, they, forever, they were seasonal workers who didn't uh, apply to any rules. Baseball's always had special rules, but it's just, God, you, just the goodwill you could engender by not being like a Ebenezer Scrooge level pre ghost yeah. visit penny pincher.
2: It is such a minimal investment to avoid all of this bad press and ill will. Yep. It just It's unbelievable. I wonder if the hammer they'd swing is that they know, if you, if you don't do this, we're going to move our minor league teams to a state that does, that does work with us.
3: It, it wouldn't shock me if they do something like that. That's, they're always throwing their, and they donate to both parties equally. I remember, well, it was yeah. the, the, the Saving Our T- Pastime Act a couple of years ago, and it was like they got Democrats and Republicans to sign up. And it was, it was like classic legislation that does the exact opposite of what the title of the legislation does. It's hey, Protecting the Forest Act, where they chop down all the trees. <laughs> uh, to preserve the wildlife and then they pull those. Yeah. No, they, they, yeah. that's 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 like PR number one, rule number one. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, say you're doing the opposite and publicize that. But yeah, it, it like you've said, it, it they could save themselves a lot of headaches, I think, of PR headaches, but they just don't care. Yeah.
0: So my good is a guy who I talked about before, and he's leading the great food league in home runs, and that would be Ronnie Mercurio Asirio. Is it Mercurio? Did I say that right, correctly? What Mauricio. Mauricio, thank you. Yes, I knew I was saying it wrong. Ronnie... M- Mauricio. Mauricio, who is a infield prospect for the Mets. And the reason why I bring him up is with somebody that, again, I just bring this up because originally when the Tigers, before the Philadelphia trade, I thought about him or Brett Beatty as your long-term infield prospect. And... Tigers still, who knows what the Tigers going to do. But this guy's behind a couple guys. Brett Batty is having a really good spring, too. And so, anyway, I just thought was, his numbers stand out a little bit. And he, he was hitting some, he hit all his home runs combined, total of 1, feet. He had one, hit what one today that was 400, or excuse me, yesterday, 413 feet. So he's just been clobbering them, clobbering the hell out of them. So that is my good, and the Mets have a swell of riches, which is frustrating, but it is what it is and good on the Mets there my bad and i in the world baseball classic, the reason why I say it's bad is because the 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 time- in terms of just some of the game start times and all that seem a little inconvenient. the games in Taiwan and Japan, so we're gonna be catching those games a little later, so somebody who's looking been looking forward to us for a long time we got the dvr everything so that that's that's the only reason why i i'm looking forward to the world baseball classic i'm looking forward to competitive baseball and to see teams like cuba Colombia, united states everybody remembers david Rice, captain america so there's all these cool little storylines are gonna be developing soon and great britain yes although mm-hmm. i could i i'm not gonna lie i couldn't name one player from Great Britain could not one UK player so I know I yeah, that, yeah I thought I knew one but I totally it. all right There's so Jed. yeah who Jed yeah Jed Um, but, I know Jed obviously we know British people Jed <laughs> and the flipping Bats flipping Bats crew over there were of the official podcast of the Seawolves Trace Thompson that's right yeah I forgot I forgot how he's English
3: Famous English basketball player, Michael Thompson.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot his dad's from England. I totally forgot about that. Good call. Went to the University of Minnesota, so it's all (laughs) related. So the ugly is what's going on, and you mentioned it earlier, the dissolvedness of the regional sports networks. And we are talking about this last week. It is hard. You cannot find... All three games in one location. If you have the Value Sports app, true. You could to a certain extent, but I don't watch it on this. Sometimes this thing's hard to cast. It's a pain in the ass. It's become a pain in the ass. I don't like the fact that I have to watch 800 different streams to find something I don't want to watch. And sometimes I still don't I can find sometimes I still can't find something to watch after all that. And a lot of it's in terms of the, the technology is really up there with first class, but blackouts. Have been such a, f- a cluster bleep. We've talked about this. I hate the I hate the blackouts. It makes no sense at all. You're telling people, "Hey, we have a game, but f you, we're going to take it away from you, and you can't see it." So that is also I just don't understand. But the in terms of when local TV deals. And this was a this was a great article by the way in Yahoo Sports by Hannah Kaiser who does a really good job of explaining the whole thing and breaking it down. But one of the lines that kind of kicked off to me was was that how is MLB going to fit these broadcasting rights fit a modern market and this is where Rob Manfred said and he quote I think our aggressiveness with respect to stepping in the, in the event of Valley's camp, camp broadcast was driven by the fact driven by the part that I cannot talk driven in part by the fact that we saw this as an opportunity to fix the blackout problem he said two weeks in Florida He also said, I don't relish this, which seems quite frankly to be too much protest. In fact, some might view it as evidence to the contrary. So they're ready to, the technology has been there. You look at the MLB film room, it's a beautiful thing. It's it's, ahead of the curve, the technology on that. For all the things we bitch about about baseball, the fact that they, this right here, the streaming technology portion of it has been there and it's good. But for whatever reason, they have. I don't know why the, the MLB has just been like, Whoa. I know you're trying to find ways to capitalize on making money. I get this. But all the fans want is to watch the game without going through 800 different loops. And I just, this is, this thing is hopefully in a couple of weeks, this is not an ugly thing anymore. It's a good thing that we can sit here and go, all right, we know when the Apple game of the week is, there's nobody to be broadcasting it, but, or who's going to be calling the game? But we have a central idea where the things are. The NBA is on TNT. The NBA is on T- TBS. These things. NHL is on ESPN. MLB on uh, the Sunday Night Baseball. So we watch the Yankees, 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 Yankees. Boston, Boston, Boston. Boston Cubs, Cubs, Cubs. <laughs> Braves, Yankees, 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 Yankees. Red Sox, Red Sox, Red Sox. No, thank you. And yeah, and I really I miss past sports and miss Fox Sports Detroit the simplicity of just going full well, that I can go on my DVR, pick up any game, and then YouTube, YouTube TV is like, ah, screw you. We're not watching MLB Network. I want to get rid of YouTube TV. They couldn't come to an agreement. YouTube, YouTube can't come to an agreement with anybody.
2: <laughs>
0: Good God. It's ridiculous. Do you not person. care about your so consumer wants?
3: Yeah,
0: you could go to our YouTube channel. we well, yeah, you at E51. We're so close. And on Tiger, on World War Tigers, John, where were we at? 803?
1: 823.
0: 823. Look, i like to get to there at the same time at 1,000 in both accounts. Make it happen. Spread the word. But anyway, I love the radio. I'm ready to watch. I just want the simplicity of watching a game back. Just give me it to me the most simplest way possible. So I can hear Dan Dickerson's voice. Or whatever the case is. I just love to watch it on my... Television on my phone, all simple. Just make it simple. Stop, stop tricking us around.
1: I just wanted to make one point because I I like Youper's the Bad Ugly, but we gotta have a debate on the Diamondbacks because I think, I think they're the most overrated team in baseball. Honestly, I don't, I don't get the hype around them. So Uper, we're gonna have to have we're gonna have to have a talk about that at a later date.
2: No problem, no problem. We can go player by player, see what we think. Oh yeah, I'm I'm
0: cool. With, I'm doing cool. With that. <laughs> You say
2: something,
3: Chris? I'm sorry. I just said it's time to throw down. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. Excuse me. My cold. We did get a um, Corbin We're Carroll's rookie of
2: the year. We'll figure that out. Do you did it get one that you said?
3: said? We got three questions, I see, or, or more than that, including a three parter. This first one, I think, is, is really going to be headed to you, Raleigh, because it's, it's more about the 10 of the staff. It's from Deadly Ninja Bees. He said Do the Tigers have a leader in the clubhouse? Was clubhouse culture a problem of the past? And do we actually have guys that can hit a fastball now?
0: Is there a clubhouse leader? Was it a problem before? I don't think it was a problem before. I, Miguel, when, when you get inside the clubhouse, Miguel Cabrera is, I'll tell everybody good morning. He's the one that kind of, everybody kind of serves, er, not serves to, but he's the one that dictates the behavior. He's the one that kind of gets everybody going. I would say Eric Costa has become a good clubhouse leader too. Eric Costa is really good with the media and he's very friendly with everybody. He gets everybody going, but it's still Miguel Cabrera's clubhouse. He's still... Got his entourage of dudes, of people outside of that. I remember the Tigers barbecue? He had a, in a, the. Which, by the way, speaking of which, hold on. All right. What do we got? We got. We got. Oh, there's the bar. Go ahead. So I got this mug, as a part of the barbecue. So nice. this was the. They, you walk in, and I got the MVP pass. You get this cool little mug. It's really cool. It's really nice, it's dirty, so I have to wash it. But as far as, as, far as anybody who can crush a fastball, to answer that question, yes, Carpenter can hit one. Matt Burling has shown that. Cesar Hernandez. But the clubhouse atmosphere is, from, from my understanding, from talking to the guys, from the b writers, it seems like there's a lot more juvenile or ju- ju- jo- jovial. Be a, a lot more. more upbeat. Yeah. Hey, what's hey, going on, I man?
2: What's that question I have? There is, I once was told that whichever player decides the, what music's being played in the clubhouse is the guy in charge. Do you have any idea who that might be? I, that's what I'm saying. It has to be Cabrera because there's been, oh, yeah.
0: Because it was funny because Sunday I was in there. Sunday it was a lot. It was gospel music. I'm not sure who it was. It was gospel music. All of a sudden. Everybody changes wow. up, comes in, and it becomes like, okay. um, yeah. So it was it was like it, it, the music immediately changed. And it could be a clubhouse person. I don't know. It could be even somebody from the Tigers PR. But it was just funny because the, the tone, you, you you smell eggs, bacon. You smell breakfast foods in a clubhouse. And you walk, you're like, man, I realized I had a sandwich a little while ago. But I'm like, man, I'm so hungry. Of course, food's off limit to the press. And you walk in, and there's gospel. It's like this. Jesus, Jesus, and it's all really cool and all that, and um, yeah, and then and you know what, Jim might be not too far off from the truth. By the way, I have cocaine bears in the background because it was inspired by that. But
1: you, yeah. I didn't even notice.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: The uh, four <laughs> of us—it's hard
0: to see. I, I, I will say that
3: Nick Maton crushes fastballs too. That's his, his—he feasts on those. So
0: yeah, they've got some guys who can hit fastballs now. But uh, thank you, Elton. By the way, thank you for seeing what needs to be said. <laughs>
3: Um, All right. We also we got a question from from John who goes by Spartan DE, which has made me think of John Spartan from uh, Demolition Man, which is a movie that maybe John has never seen. Uh, No chance. uh, He said, Why don't they get Kerry Carpenter a first baseman's glove? He's never gonna be anything other than average at best in the outfield. And that's probably his ceiling, is the outfield in the outfield. No. I've heard a lot of people say this. Get Carpenter some time at first base.
0: Yeah, why uh, not, I, don't...
3: I uh, My guess is that his hands probably are awful. There's there's a thing, and, and that was a big funny thing in Moneyball, right, where it's, yeah, anybody can play first base, right? And Ron Washington said it's incredibly hard. Scott Hattieberg made it work, but he was a catcher. Catchers have to have pretty good hands. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a difference between being able to get a, a ground ball and, and handle it and not have it ricochet off your glove or bounce 70 feet into foul territory. And, and getting under a, fi- a fly ball and catching it. I, it wouldn't hurt them. I'm sure they've tried. I, I even saw there was a video in, they did a video today of following Riley Green around. Riley Green was mic'd up. And they actually had the infield, the outfielders taking a form of infield, basically grabbing bouncers in the infield. So I'm sure they've seen Kerry Carpenter plenty of times handle grounders. And if they haven't tried him, it's probably because his hands are garbage.
2: Too fine of a point on it. There also comes the footwork for Felix Rose. Where to get your feet, when to stretch, what angle to create for the for the for the other for the person throwing the ball. There's a lot that goes into it. Now people want to say, "Oh, stick my first, no problem. That's where the big lummoxes go." But I don't agree with that. I think that that was the case in the old days, but. I think it's an important defensive position. It's underrated. Also, covering bunts. He's probably never fielded a bunt in his life. Good luck with that. Making the right decision. And, that, and that's something that came up a couple times too. Down, there was a couple of fans who were
0: asking about that And down Lincoln about whether Carpenter can play first. He's just learning how to play a better outfield right now too. Hinch has been talking about the progress he's made on the outfield. So now, I think for now, I think they're just trying to do one thing at a time for him because between him and Badu, your defensive, your Put it politely, they're limited. They're limited defensively, and so I think, to me, Hill he'll completely. Who you saw some time today in right field was Akil do That's different for me. Usually plays left or center, so I, I really think that there's going to continue to be this emphasis on moving these guys around. But right now, I don't see Carpenter getting time at first, just because they want him to get better at being in the outfield.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe at some point down the road, they'll give it a try. But, yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm assuming it hasn't been tried because it didn't look good in any mini trial that they tried.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And
3: and then we have one last question from Steve Cook. He said, uh, can Brendan
0: White make the roster?
1: I'm curious, Raj, did you say he did in your article?
0: No, I didn't. And truthfully, again, this is roster, again, 1.0. I'm allowed to have four. There's four revisions you can make. So this was early on. The reason why, and this is before I saw him pitch today, and I instantly regret <laughs> it. I saw Brandon White pitch last year in Erie. His slider spin was something ridiculous. like over 2,800, 2,900, something like that. He can spin the ball and just hit another 1, 2, 3. I think he had a 1, 2, 3 inning. Pretty sure he had a routine inning today. And he's been, he's just looked he's looked efficient. He looks like he belongs. And again, this is, this is an example right here of good scouting and good development by the Tigers because Red and White, if you're going to tell me that you thought of Brendan White as a prospect last year before the season began, I would, I would have told you you're wrong. But him and Foley, to a certain extent, are examples of scouting in the Northeast, which is not like New York, State of New York, and looking for guys like that. Foley was a Friday night starter. Red and White went to a small college in New York. And he really, really emerged last year as a guy who, if he doesn't make the team, he's surely going to be called up shortly. I guess maybe see him sometime closing in Toledo. And Toledo's going to be fun, oh man. Toledo's going to be. Oh. roster is going to be a lot of fun. Now, how often do I get to, you get to say that? Usually Toledo's just a, kind of the outcasts of... Tigers farm systems if you think about it in the grand scheme of things every year they're like okay there's a couple interesting guys but everybody's either West Michigan or Erie they got some interesting people coming out in Toledo and fans should be excited and I think if White doesn't make the team out of opening day I think he's a closer in Toledo
1: yeah I'm looking and at your sort of
0: when, and what Jed said is correct it'll be a revolving door this season go ahead John yeah,
1: just looking at your article you had Kirvan Castro in there he's probably if I had to switch one guy out for Brendan White, it'd probably be him. But, yeah. yeah, I could definitely see him being the starting the year as the closer in Toledo. I think that would probably be best for him, if I'm being honest. Chris?
3: Oh, you know, I man, you, you talked about White. He, he was the 26th rounder in 2019. Brisky was the, the 27th rounder in 2019. The Tigers, Brendan White's, like, best friend is Colton Ingram, who was a guy that the Tigers took in the 37th round, I want to say. 37th. He got added to the Angels' 40-man roster this offseason. Wow. So, yeah, that draft is going to end up being wild. That, that also includes Kerry Carpenter and Riley Green and Andre Lipsius and Ryan Kreidler. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you never know with relievers. We, we saw, like, there's a there's a well Will Vest feel to Brendan White. I think Vest has three pitches. Bright, uh, White's just basically two. But, yeah, sometimes it's just a, a war of attrition in the bullpen in the spring. Some guy like last year. It wasn't. I don't know if it was Diaz. There was another sure. non non roster invitee that came in, and he was really good. And then he had one rough outing, and they sent him packing. It's like sometimes <laughs> it's it's that simple in, in spring. So if White keeps going out there getting out, it wouldn't shock me. But there are there are a decent amount of interesting arms in there. And having Inglert have to make the roster complicates things a little bit. But I'd say White has a decent shot. I wouldn't I wouldn't pencil him in just yet.
2: What
0: about you, Youper?
3: Yeah,
2: I mean, if relievers are so volatile, we all know that. If he's pitching and he's one of the seven or eight best guys this spring, there's no reason not to bring him north. You don't have to. With relievers, never worry about service time or any of that BS. Just use them until they lose them. And if he's getting outs for you and he looks like he's one of your seven best, let him go. Bring him with you. Why not at this point?
0: And one of the things that we were talking about earlier, Chris, we were talking about Spencer Torkelson's Weird start, and there was people have been bringing him back up in the chat. Elton brought him up, and I didn't put him on my roster. I know some people for people who are just joining us in the chat. I didn't put him on the roster. And actually, surprisingly, there's a lot more people that are like, "Oh, okay, I understand." I thought people would probably do that. Well, quote is a hot take, but there's still he still needs some time, maybe 20 or 30 at bats. Max Green is still in the system, Jed. I found that out that Max Green is still in the system. He's recovering from he had elbow surgery. And according to Sherry, Sherry is Sherry and Terry who down there do all the f- photography for Lakeland flying tigers. And they're fantastic people. Max Green buffed up a little bit too. So he's actually put on some way, put in a good way, but yes, he, there was a picture of him back in September. He was rehabbing down in Lakeland, but he is back with the team. I'm, I'm interested to see, I didn't get a chance. So the backfields, by the way, there was some players going on back there. You saw, I saw, Melton. I saw a few other players going back and forth. A lot of, a lot of players too that were. That were, I think they were from the Dominican League, summer league, or something like that, where I didn't even recognize who they were. And one of them would say hi every morning to Chris McCoskey. and he was like, "I don't know who you are," and but it was just those kind of things. But uh, the unbuttoned jersey look, he'll. I think he'll bring that. He'll bring his taco meat hair. Like they call it taco meat. I heard that's what I heard they call it. The Inver- Inver- I don't know. Who's got- Wait, but who's got the taco meat? Max Green. Remember how he always had no. like like just wine open.
3: Yeah, I remember his mm-hmm. dressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Max Green was a really fun kid to talk to. We, I remember we we recorded two podcasts in a row. I don't remember why we. The, the first we one had the audio. There were some
0: stuff. audio issues. The audio issues or something like that.
3: So he came back and did it all over again. It was like what a, what a nice kid. You he was you need to, to bring him back to. on. I love that guy. Yeah, we would love to hear about his journey because, yeah, not, not to say journey. That's that's yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been a long road for him. He 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 was throwing really hard and he was pitching there in Double A and it wasn't working out. And then he got hurt and that was twenty twenty one. The like yeah. mid the mid twenty one. So he missed all of last year. The end of twenty one. So yeah, it'll be nice to see what where he has in his headspace. And if you're a lefty and you could throw upper nineties, you're going to get chances. So hopefully he can come back full
0: strength. Remember this time last year we were talking about Paul Rickon, Richard. and now he's yeah.
2: gone.
0: <clears throat> yeah, he never recovered from his injuries.
2: Yeah.
0: I think he hasn't – is he out of baseball? Yeah, he's out of – wow, he's out of baseball. Just like that. All right, so if there's any other questions, I don't think we have any other questions, so I think we should be able to wrap it up this evening. We'll be back on our Sunday night podcast. Sunday evening, probably around the same time, Yeah, eight thirty-nine o'clock-ish. On Sunday, as we will continue to keep you updated on what's going on in spring training. Of course, any minor league stuff, we'll yeah. keep you updated with. But, yeah, it, it's, by the way, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm excited for Andre, Andre Lipsius. He's has a good <laughs> screen so far. If, I'm, if we're going to, okay, if we're going to end the podcast with our, or whatever you want to call it. I'm going like, to, my attaboys or whatever, Andre Lipsius.
2: Just because, I think when when we flash forward to 2039, Pink. and they put the Andre Lipsius statue in center field in Detroit, Pink. I want in the background, Raj to be clapping on the statue in the stands. You know what? That <laughs> would. You know what? Look,
0: no one's gonna be playing every time. Because his, 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 by his girl, I think it's his girlfriend who always is, he us. I want this to play in the background every time. I don't want people to forget about him. There yeah. you go.
3: Let's just walk off the field with his fist raised.
0: Yeah.
3: I wonder if John has seen
0: yeah. Breakfast Club. He's a, John, have you ever heard of Breakfast Club? How about, how oh. about,
3: how about this is just why well, we always hit the show.
1: This there Taylor's Miller's <laughs> day off. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I, I'm not a movie guy, honestly. I, I really don't watch a lot of movies. Have you He's heard this song? Guy. Wait, have you heard this yeah. song before? Yes, yes. Yeah.
0: Okay, thank you. Okay, long as you have that. Okay. So on that note, we'll leave on a note of the from the Simple Minds from the Breakfast Club soundtrack, from 1985. We'll see you next. We'll see you Sunday night. Have a good week, everybody.